I bet this pretty young thing. I bet she has real good grip strength, right? Drop it. Duncan and both come correct. Hey everybody, uh, Bo here. Uh, we are having a little bit of trouble uh, getting Duncan on this morning. Uh, a little bit of a computer problem. And uh, so I am what is called filling in at the moment. Uh, so we are uh, getting that stuff sorted out. But this is, of course, Duncan and Bo uh, come correct. And uh, I am one of your hosts. Uh, Bo Ransdell with me uh, very shortly is one Duncan McLeish. And he will be with us in a moment. In the meantime, folks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get started. First of all, happy to see you. Happy Sunday. Hope you're doing well. Uh, this uh, will be uh, a little bit of a seat of the pants show, uh, more so than usual. Um, but that doesn't mean that we are not going to have a good time. So, uh, that all being said, let's jump into things with what we normally do here on this program, which is talk about a uh, movie that we have seen, uh, both good and bad, uh, since Duncan is, uh, currently not here like a big jerk. I'm going to uh, to kick things off with a uh, one of my uh, my bad, and then we'll fill him in uh, when he gets here. But uh, something I wanted to talk about is uh, a movie called Mom or Mother of Monsters uh, from from just last year. Um, it is I I'd heard a little bit about it. It's uh, directed by. Tusia Tillman, I'm sorry, Tusia Lyman is, uh, is, is the director, uh, of the film, uh, as well as the writer. And so here's kind of the scoop is the mother of monsters is essentially a, uh, how shall, how else shall we put this? Um, it is a found footage e version of we need to talk about Kevin in that, uh, it is, uh, like a mother who begins to suspect that her child is potentially a little bananas. And by bananas, of course, I mean, uh, a serial killer. And so she goes about, um, trying to document this through video cameras placed uh, throughout the home. She installs some in the fire uh, alarms and so forth. And uh, yeah, just generally is uh, being invasive. And the kid, in fairness, like, you know, he's an older teenager about to graduate uh, high school. Um, you know, has a locked closet where he keeps his crickets that he feeds to his pet iguana. There's also, uh, a little bit of Nazi memorabilia, which is always disconcerting, uh, to, to see, uh, when you are, uh, uh a little bit of Nazi. Oops. Um, so yeah, it is, uh, like on the one hand, I think that as a movie, it's an interesting idea to do this sort of found footage version of, like I said, it's kind of a, we need to talk about Kevin, um, or, a, a movie of that ilk. 
And I like a found footage movie. I'm a bit of a sucker for a found footage movie. I like them just fine. But there is very much a thing about uh, Mother of Monsters that feels a little... A, a little sloppy in its execution because they're they're one of the things throughout the film and slight spoilers for mother of monsters aka mom if you plan to see it is that it is a uh, a movie in which um the main character the mother of said monsters is there are implications that she might have some mental health issues of her own and so they kind of muddy the waters a bit as of, uh, you know, as to whether or not is is this really her perception? Is her son really disturbed um, based on some of his behavior? It seems like he, he very much is. But then as you progress through the story, there's some indications, well, maybe not so much. And I think that muddying the waters like that doesn't really do the movie any favors. Like, it doesn't make it more layered or nuanced or complex. It just makes it a little more muddy in terms of who am I supposed to be rooting for in this scenario. And I'm still one of those people that believes you kind of need a character to hang your hat on uh, for the duration of a film. And that, that's what keeps you going um, through a narrative. Uh, which is a uh, a bit of a bummer uh, when you come to the end of this movie. And like I said, I think the idea is pretty sound, like a, a found footage version of this story of, hey, I think my son is a serial killer, so I'm going to put uh, all of these, you know, cameras around the house and I'm going to surveil him a little bit and just try to figure out, like, hey, is this, is, is my son truly disturbed? And I think there is something really interesting um, in that premise. Excuse me, it's bright and early on a Sunday morning here. And uh, and we are both, Duncan and I, coming in a little hot today. So apologies if, uh, if I yawn. Also, speaking of serial killers, if you don't yawn when you saw that, uh, you should probably see a psychologist. Okay, so... Um, that was uh that was the bad and it's not a terrible movie uh it 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 just doesn't really land and when you get to the end of it i still don't believe there's any real resolution you know i mean it is the story resolves itself but in terms of sort of the ethos of the movie and what the movie is trying to say because it seems to be saying one thing and then there's sort of a tag on the end of the movie uh before the final credits um that suggests that maybe what you think you saw at the end of the movie isn't what you think you saw at the end of the movie or maybe both things are happening and both things are true and it's for uh for a movie that's got a you know sub 90 minute runtime uh a little bit more of a clarity of purpose might have been uh, the thing to do in this film. But uh, yeah, so I don't necessarily recommend uh, The Mother of Monsters uh, very much. But um, let's instead move to what I think is uh, a very good movie, um, which is, uh, I, I so I watched, uh, this is slightly non-genre, but Roadrunner. The uh, the documentary about Anthony Bourdain, 
Um, that has come under a little bit of scrutiny on account of the director using some AI to, to sort of manipulate the dialogue of the film. So, you know, Anthony Bourdain kind of uh, narrates uh, the... Uh, the the film in his own voice, taken from interviews and things like that. And um, the the thing that's kind of a bummer uh, about the movie as a whole is, of course, um, you know, you know how the movie is going to end, right? Like you know that Anthony Bourdain ends up taking his own life, and so a lot of the movie uh, is, is sort of getting to that point. And I like. Um, uh, the the documentary quite a bit, and I, I I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with digitally manipulating the voice to tell the story you want to tell. Like all documentaries have a point of view or a perspective. Look no further than the documentaries of Werner Herzog, if you don't think that documentaries have a a a point of view. And I think Roadrunner certainly does, and it's certainly using technology to um, sort of elucidate that point of view, to, to uh, create the illusion that Anthony Bourdain um, said these words. And I understand why people would think that's a bit of a cheat. Uh, I, I get it, but also all of cinema is perspective. And so it, it's all illusion to, to some degree. I mean, the literal film is 24 frames a second, you know, that like, that is, uh, that is an illusion. They are still images, uh, projected in a way that creates the illusion of motion. So to kind of put words in the mouth of Anthony Bourdain, I understand that being problematic, but also within it, within this scope of the film itself. And that this is, uh, a uh, documentary done by the guy who did like how uh will you be my neighbor the Mr. Rogers documentary uh some other stuff super talented guy um but yeah uh that said okay so controversy aside uh on on that mess um how is the movie as a whole it's very good and weirdly i know nothing about anthony bourdain uh, it, which is weird. I, I know almost nothing about, um, Anthony Bourdain or like places unknown or any of that stuff. I knew of him, of course, but I didn't really know him. And, um, so watching the movie was in a lot of ways. Like, I think I watched, uh, an episode of places unknown, um, like immediately uh, a couple of days before I saw the documentary, knowing I was going to go see that documentary. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't know much about Anthony Bourdain. I know a lot of people really love and, and respect him and all that kind of thing. Um, and I, I don't disagree with any of that. Uh, I think that Anthony Bourdain seems like a really interesting dude. Um, and then, uh, oh, Duncan's here. And in a moment we will bring him in. Uh, let's bring Duncan in. All Hello. right. Hello. Am I coming through okay this time? Yes, you are. Okay. So ladies and gentlemen, here's a Duncan. <laughs> and then. I will. The uh, worst intro ever. I expected a little bit of a. Uh, well, I can never remember the the hype guy for 
um, James Brown. You know, you should be just hitting it with a little bit. This man will make your liver quiver. <clears throat> you know, uh, this man will seize your mind. The the man who will make your tally whack. <laughs> I don't know about that. Let's stop this. <laughs> uh, so here's what I was doing, Duncan, on, on account. Uh, what? Were you singing? I was not singing, as a matter of oh. fact. Oh. Um, what I was doing was I was uh, here. Let's see if I can do this. And uh, all right. You, you are alone on the screen. So give me your bad real quick. Uh, your bad movie. I've already talked about bad, my bad movie. It was Mother of Monsters. I'll give you the, the roundup in a second. You give me your bad movie for the week. Oh, um, the worst movie I've seen for the week, and I want to stress, it's not a complete pile of shit, but um, I'm just out of it. It's the Suicide Squad movie by James Gunn. I am surprised to hear that, but go on. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's no better than the previous one. Like, at all. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Yeah, better actors, but it's still an absolute fucking mess of a movie. So that, it's just—I I think they should just abandon doing that. Um, I—I I don't think you can make a movie about anti-heroes if you don't at least like them a little bit. And that movie goes out its way to make sure you just don't like anyone. So really, yeah, yeah. Like even Idris Elba, who like Idris Elba could punch a child in front of me, and I would still go and have a drink with him. Yeah. Um, that's him. Uh, even he could not save that movie. It's just a mess. I didn't even find it that funny either. And I really thought I was going to... Because I, like, of, of the comic book cinematic universe stuff that they do, like, the Guardians of the Galaxy is probably my favourite. And it's mostly down to, I think, the humour is pitch perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, it's all over the place. That's so. That's crazy to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think it's just because, like, I I had heard such good things about the ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, ninety eight percent, and I literally don't know what movie those people saw because it's not the one I saw today. It's a two and a half star movie. Really? So yes, that sounds uh, incredibly average. Yes, it's very average. It's a, a lot of money, um, for a very average movie. So. Wow. Wow, yep. Duncan. Hot takes. There we go. Yeah, um, serving them on hot, fresh daily here, Duncan McLeish. Yeah, I genuinely went in optimistic and, and hoping for, for the best, but I, I think um, it is a, a slightly more vulgar version of the previous movie, and that's not enough to, to add the charm that I want from it. So, yeah. Ah, well, that's a bit of a bummer. I think we have our our images uh, set. Uh, Derek, thanks for for tuning in. Yes, this is, in fact, a Cavity Colors Godzilla t-shirt. Thank you for noticing. Um, Yeah, well, you know, that's why I get paid the big bucks. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, man, that's a that's a a, a real downer. Uh, Because, again, I got plans to see it. I still probably will because we're going to go totally still go and see it because i am i should never be the 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 kind of benchmark or testing pole for these sorts of movies but i calls it like i sees it um so yeah like my 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 wife's a little bit uh she was a bit more down on it than i was to the point where she come out and she's like that 
Yeah, I preferred the first movie, and I was like, well, that's wrong. Um, <laughs> you know, that is a wrong statement. But yeah, the, she didn't like it, and she's a she's a total mark for those sort of movies. So yeah, that's I I'm I again very surprised because I uh, I tend to like those movies uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. All right. Well, but we're gonna go to finish kind of my previous thought. So we're gonna go see it at uh, the like 4D kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about the the D box stuff. Yes, I love them. Yeah. So we're we're doing that, and it's kind of like, well, even if the movie's not great, that'll be kind of fun. The experience. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I said before, it's not the worst movie you will see this year, but it's definitely the worst movie I've seen this week. So. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Um, and, and also, uh, I went ahead with my good, uh, and I'll finish my, my kind of thoughts on it, but my good for the week was that, uh, Anthony Bourdain Roadrunner documentary. Oh, so want to see that. And it is, it's quite good. And, uh, you know, just a brief recap, I was talking about the fact that like, yes, I know that they used some AI technology to create Anthony Bourdain saying some things that he did not actually say a couple of lines Mm -hmm. here and there in the movie. But my point of view is kind of who gives a shit that's movies, you know, like even documentaries. And the example I used before, uh, you arrived was, if you don't think documentaries have a perspective, you've never seen a documentary from Werner Herzog. <laughs> also, I just don't think, what's the point of watching a documentary if it doesn't come from a perspective? Right, right. Like I watched that uh, Woodstock 99 documentary also, mm. and that is 100% a movie that has a an agenda going in. And I, I don't say that in a negative way. It's just like, hey, we are here to examine this through this prism. Yeah. And, and, but that's the human nature, right? Like everybody's got perspective. Well, it's, if you're going to, if you're a director, right, you want to tell stories, right? That's the whole point. So, like, by its very nature, if you're a director of documentaries, you should still be going in because you have a side of a story to tell. The one that is the most interesting, maybe not even the one you necessarily believe in. Um, there are rare occasions where a documentary starts in one position and then you can actually visibly see the filmmaker go oh no this is a story <laughs> like I hadn't planned for this but this is the story here and then they switch into that but a documentary that just states facts is boring right and it it lacks context yeah. as well and and that's why you watch a documentary is to put a thing into some form of context a hundred percent and like we watched um remember when we watched the the act of killing for this very fucking podcast many moons ago. Yeah. And uh, we, we sat down and watched that dog, but we, we did two documentaries on that show. We did that one and we did, um, best of enemies, which is best of enemies. same director as Roadrunner as well as, uh, will you be my neighbor? He directed yeah. all those. And like, for, like both those documentaries, completely different spheres of, of interest, but both very much coming from, position of this is the story i want to tell and it is not impartial and it does lean one way maybe more than the other but that's what makes them interesting in the case of best enemies you know it charts that particular conversation between those two political activists as being the impetus for the death of of um natural dialogue and news um, right and then and then on the other side my uh the one that i chose the act of killing is basically <laughs> is basically holding a giant mirror up to people that massacred millions of communists um 
and saying, you know, uh, uh, let's see if we can make some films, some quirky, fun films where you can tell us stories and we'll just see how long it takes before you realise you're a fucking monster. Um, so, yeah, I, like, they have to they have to be. So I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, to me, it makes more... Uh, my good, actually, is a documentary. So I'm glad that you kind of... It's almost as if we planned this, but we didn't. We, we really didn't. I mean, so little of our lives are planned. <laughs> so um, I'm, like, because I've been doing, like, summer series stuff, I am running so far behind with everything that has come out this year like just just in general all the stuff that i thought looked really really cool on the on netflix who keep churning out documentaries that i really want to watch i have no time for um i've just finished the three part uh, mini series murder among the mormons oh right 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 yeah that is interesting i well i didn't know the story so i like I, I watched the first episode and a half thinking the worst thing had happened to this guy that was wanting to, you know, sell some documents he's found. And then that takes a hard turn in the middle where it's like, oh, no, he set the bombs and he's a fraud. He's maybe the greatest fraudster ever. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like scanner's head explodes. <laughs> the wall. Like just did not, honestly didn't see it coming at all. Remak! Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I, was, <laughs> I was watching it and then... Um, like, because the police, like, in the second episode, the police are, like, arresting him. Like, the guy just, like, got out of an exploding vehicle and you're arresting him. This is what's wrong with the police. And then they're like, you know, we searched his house. There was no evidence there. Then we found a receipt and a different name, which tracked us to this, which tracked us to that, which tracked us to bombs. And I was like, oh, my fucking God. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. And, and I'll tell you, the good another yeah. good thing about murder among the mormons is that the name of it do i have that right that's right yep. yeah is not only the fact that it, it takes some really fun twists and turns throughout the narrative it's it's three parts but all three are well paced and engaging so 100%. it doesn't have that like wild wild country problem of uh, you've got like a whole episode and a half where you're like nothing's moved right like yes i i've spent a little time with sheila but this doesn't forward the story of what's going on at all. And it doesn't really tell me any more about her because I already thought she was shady as fuck to begin with. That description there, are you describing Wild World Country? Are you describing season two, episode number seven of Slasher? Dude. Episode which progresses nothing. <laughs> like, does nothing for a whole, it, it treads water for an entire episode doing nothing. I was shocked. Dude, uh, I, I text you. I, yeah. I, I, I messaged on the the Facebook thing, so that I am dumb. For, the, the, I'm, it's not often we say this anymore, Bo, but the fucking balls on Arn Martin not to do anything with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, it, it was a done deal. It was a close case. Book him, Dano. <laughs> right. I fully expect. Well, as listeners of this program will know, we fully expected at the end of uh episode seven there was we were going to get the reveal and then all of episode eight is oh now let's deal with the fallout of that and 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 figure out who our survivors are and that kind of thing mm-hmm. the fact that this will obviously get to the very conclusion but the way that this thing ends had my jaw in my lap <laughs> yeah, was the same. i just kind of went what why <laughs> like, just when this shows went out its way to really just like shit in your lawn, well, right in your front garden. Yeah, um, I, you know, I, as they I say, yeah, it doesn't even have the courtesy to pick up. 
Uh, yeah, I, that must be a, a UK expression or a particular well, Scottish say, uh, expression. There's, a, there's a, a very good Scottish comedian called Kevin Bridges um, that I recommend that you check out. He's from Glasgow. He's a very funny guy. And how he would describe that is he would say, um, someone comes along and takes a shite in your kettle. That, that does sound very, very Scottish. Takes a shite in your kettle. Yeah, the, the big old shit right, right in the kettle bowl. You can't uh, use that kettle after that. No, yeah, you just have to throw a shit kettle out. <laughs> a bit different story. Uh, you imagine that scene in, uh, in Twin Peaks. Um, it was like, oh, someone dropped a duke in the percolator. Oh, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pete. Yeah, that, <laughs> there would be a full-on, like, Dougie spit take at that yeah. point. <laughs> uh, Dirk. Dirk. Oh, man. oh man. Oh Dougie. How I love you. Um yeah. speaking of, I guess let's get into this. Let's into just, this let's because, just do it. Because there's a there's a lot I almost said there's a lot that happens in this episode. This episode has a lot of scenes. I don't know that <laughs> <laughs> that a lot happens in those scenes. Well, this is the one that kind of finally gives us the setup to what happened to Talbinder. Right, I think we're still to get one more thing. I but... mean, you're not wrong, but also kind of who cares because we already know. Well, yeah, but the thing, the thing that, the thing that I found really, and we will get into it in a bit more detail. They try and play her off as an innocent. Like Talvinder is an innocent for a little second, for just a like a like a hot second, and then they switch that really quickly, and then I was like, yeah, I hate Talvinder even more than I did before. Now, like she's like easily the most hateable character in the history of the planet, um, <laughs> and I'm putting her right beside people like Hitler, uh, you know, like all these people. Like she's she's right there. She's fucking like a horrible, nasty, like vacuum of a person, but. What it did do is it showed me that there was a time, right, where Dawn was like the nicest hippie girl in the history of hippie girls. So bubbly, so nice, so caring, and Talvinder made her the woman carrying the gun. Yes, she, yes, Talvinder is directly responsible for Dawn being the aggressive, untrusting person she is today. Yeah. Uh, okay. And that's that's the best bit of this episode. Everything else, shite. <laughs> yes, yes. Like this this whole episode could have been six minutes long and it would have been fine. Uh, yeah, of course. Of course. But this episode could have just not been here. We could have just wrapped this in, made the last episode, I don't know, 55 minutes long, finish it up. Right, but what, what kind of show are we running here, Duncan, if we have seven episodes and not eight? You know what I'm saying? That's Got to end in an even number, Bo. Right, right. So, all right. Let's get into this. So, one of my favorite worst cold opens in the history. That's what I was getting to, because this, because it's only about two seconds long, and it's terrible. And so, what happens is it opens like five years ago. It's one of those flashback scenes we open on where it's Dawn and and Talvinder just kind of chit-chatting with Dawn doing her hair. She's braiding it up. She's yeah. making it look all nice. She's talking about how lovely her hair is. And you know what, though? 
they're friends. Yeah, it will, and she's like, "Ah, oh, bitch, when we get out of here, we're totally going to get a place together." <laughs> and oh my god. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's just them being real buddy buddy and tell Vendor being like, "Really? We're going to get our own place?" And Dawn's like, "You know it, girl." And mm-hmm. and uh, as she's kind of playing with tell Vendor's hair, then we cut immediately to the present where Dawn's doing the same thing. Only to now, corpse. yeah, to the corpse of Talvender, <laughs> which then just slips off and falls on her. Yeah, the, the logistics of this don't make any sense, right? Out with the myriad of things that don't make sense. The logistics of this one scene don't make sense. She's standing at the side of her. She, the hair kind of gets caught in her fingers, and she's like, "Ew!" <laughs> like, why do I keep having flashbacks? And then when I flash forward, I'm doing the thing in my flashback. <laughs> right? Like, why? Why am I caressing the hair of this corpse to begin with? Like, I got to be honest with you, Duncan. I think you are a, a wonderful person, your dear friend. But if I had at any time done your hair, <laughs> I would never in my life think, "Well, I hope I get the chance to do this with this corpse." Yeah, only I know how he liked his hair touched. Right. And life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, Look, Duncan told me before he died, I know we didn't write it down, but he said he, he wanted me to do all his hair and makeup for his funeral. Yeah. <laughs> Why does he look like the Joker? I don't know. That's what he wanted. Um, are you sure that's what he said? Well, potato, potato, had been drinking. Um, so, like, like, she goes, oh, that's for the hair. And she falls backwards. The table moves. Now, the body's horizontal. The table moves. She's kind of facing. So the table's running lengthways. She's at the side. She falls back. The body falls off. It should fall on her lap. But no, the body, in falling off, turns round and falls, pinning her to the wall, bow with its gnarly fucking one-eye willy face. Come on. What... really is a slap in the face about this scene is not that it's like oh this is our cold open and now we cut the credits it's mm. that none of it matters oh, like it, it goes nowhere it right. doesn't matter doesn't it, mean anything dawn doesn't mention it again we don't see Telvender's corpse again for the episode it's just a thing that happens to get our scare at the beginning of the show and yeah. then we cut over after the credits to kira and peter who we last saw on the hunt for Renee and Mark Stroganoff. Yeah, and, and we know what happened to them at the last, at the, the end of the last episode. And I want to say, I was right. I said that I thought Mark would still be alive. Um, little did I know, there's absolutely no reason for keeping him alive in this episode. Very much like there was no reason for keeping Noah alive in the previous episode. It's just a state of execution, isn't it? Yeah, it very much is. Uh, right. It. It. We. We need to kill him in episode seven, not episode six. Yeah. So, but what happens uh, is they're they're out there looking for any hide nor, nor hair of of these two and find the snowmobile that well they're following the red brick road and I say the red brick with well, the red snow road yeah which is just a entire like patch of snow leading up to a bloody snowmobile which is just all covered in blood um, yeah so much blood ball so much blood. And and so they find. Uh, for, oh, first they check to make sure there uh, there's no gas in it. They try to start it up, and they're That's like, "That's the oh. thing about this. Like Peter does that, right? Kira is mortified. Kira's looking for whatever has hit this thing and caused all this blood, and Peter could not give a fuck. 
He's like, let's get this thing started. Yeah. Let's let's Look number here. one. Let's see if these dilithium crystals work. And, <laughs> and Kira's just, she does, she gives him, there's a couple of steps in this episode where you get the feeling that the show is trying to maybe throw a little bit of a narrative that Kira doesn't know Peter all that well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we get it later on specifically in the, you know, the Never Have I Ever I game. Just game. can't stand the <laughs> fact that we're still pretending that it is not 100% obvious who the killer is in this show. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm, I am annoyed that, like, oh, man. Uh, all right. Well, all right. We'll get to it. Let's get yeah, through this. Scene. Oh, we'll man. get there. So, <laughs> so. Kira is the one who finds Renee's mangled body, which, in fairness, is a, is a pretty gnarly effect with her like guts coming out and her having never face been is an gone. issue with this show. Yeah, they th- when they when they go big on the effects, th- it does pretty well, and that's maybe yeah. the best thing we can say about Aaron Martin at all. Yes, and it's so- the thing that he doesn't do that that somebody else does right from a different department yes i agree with that the best thing on this show that slasher does is not done by our mark <laughs> which uh, again not a shocker by the way <laughs> worth pointing out i i uh somebody in the discord chat the other day um mm-hmm. mentioned i think it was, uh jason gray said that um there there's a new promo reel for season four of slasher that's like Ooh. an intro to the characters Mm-hmm. And just an FYI, Robin and Dawn are back. Well, I think they're in everything, aren't they? I think they're in all of them, yeah. And uh, there's probably weird. some more holdover characters. But are they, are they famous in Canada or something? That's why they keep getting carried over. Because I can understand that, like an American horror story, you bring over, like, I don't know, Oscar award-winning actress Kathy Bates, Oscar award-winning actress Jessica Lang. you know, Sarah Paulson, who has won all the Emmys that ever existed, your MP. I can understand that. Maybe what I don't understand is Robin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're Aaron Martin famous. That's a level of fame that I never won. Like, um, uh, uh, hey. I'll take any any press I can get, Duncan. <laughs> the, if Aaron Martin wants to put me in a, a season of Slasher, I'm there. Well, the the new season comes out this month on Shudder. So. Yeah, so we're we're going to be a little bit behind that, but we'll get there. We'll and, get there and, for Christmas time. Yeah, we'll and honestly, yeah, and and David Cronenberg looks like he's having a good time in it, and that's all I wanted to see. And it yep. looks like uh, he's having fun. I hope that he doesn't die in like episode one or two, which is certainly a possibility. Why would you do that? Why would you get the Cronenberg in and then kill him off so early? Uh, because you've, you're have Aaron Martin and you make a <laughs> because, lot of bad decisions. Because you don't want him to know what sort of show he's actually in so you get rid of him offset quickly until he finds out later. Yeah, where he's like, hey, Aaron, is it all right if I look at some past seasons? Oh, no, you don't want to do that, David. Uh, no, this this it's, is season one. This is season one. This is a, yeah, it's like a whole new Netflix thing. You don't even worry about it. We're, we got a bigger budget, and Robin's coming back. Robin, who is Robin? Oh, don't even worry about it. He's a uh, no, gay Batman. He, it's fine. <laughs> it's of me. Uh, he's got a bad script. Um, <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, they go off hunting for Mark Stroganoff, who it turns out is alive but injured. He's busted up, and Kira. I'm not, I'm not dead. I'm just very badly bruised. Look, how about we just leave him in the snow? I don't think he's going to make it. 
all of all of us is like he like instantly the two of them do that thing where they're like <laughs> you know where they're like kind of they're, they're both like kind of trying to be nice to each other but as soon as one of them turns around the other one's like like staring at them they, they instantly distrust Kira is the most trustworthy per uh, most trustworthy person out of the three here because she's like Mark's okay yay and Peter's like oh yeah Mark it's okay. Yeah, mm. he's given like a mm. snow cone for his busted lip, and ever or Kira is. Oh uh, yeah, that's like <laughs> what you give a kid when they won't stop crying. Uh huh. And yeah, Mark Sharon. Snow cone. Oh, this is cherry. This is good. And <laughs> and then Mark uh, Shargadoff is like, "Hey, uh, not for nothing, but the killer has the gun now. He's got a gun." <laughs> thank, thank you. And, uh. He's like, hey, uh, Renee was being chased by the snowmobile. Is she okay? And they're like, look, Mark Stroganoff, I should probably warn you, don't go that way if you have a weak constitution because Renee is a bit of a mess right now. She's <laughs> basically, basically says, you know what, when they say things like it's what's on the inside that counts? Well. Um... You're going to get a good look at that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, here's something that I learned today, Mark Stroganoff. When you put fresh intestines on the snow, it makes steam. Yeah. That's something I know now. And so, they, uh, Mark is real busted up about this. And they're like, what were you guys doing out here in the first place? And Mark Stroganoff says, well, Renee was looking for proof. She thought she knew who the killer was. She was looking for proof. And she went in there, but she wouldn't tell me who who it was that she thought was the killer on account of this being a poorly written show. Yeah. And yeah. and so they head inside uh, to, to see what's what. And while it's Kira and Peter in there, and while they're in there, Kira's like, you know, I think it might be Dawn who is the killer here. Yeah. And Peter's like, what? Dawn? No way. She's a wonderful person. You just need to get to know her. And especially in an environment where people aren't dying all the time. Yeah, well, she hits it with the thing that I said right at the very start. Like, really, episode one. I was like, it does seem suspicious that she's the one that packed the gun and she's the one that convinced everyone to go up onto the mountain. Um, and this is why you don't do things. This is why I don't suggest to do anything with anyone, Bo. Because if any, you know, if anything ever falls apart, it can't come back to me. You're right. Uh, the the rule, uh, the real message of slasher is never do anything with anybody or yeah. go out of doors. Yeah, never, never leave your house or pl- make plans with anyone. Yeah, yeah, it's just a good rule. And uh, as they're looking around, they realize that all the files from all the camp counselors have gone missing. Mm-hmm. And then we get a cutaway back to the cabin where Judith, Wren, and Dawn are all hanging out. And now, once again, Slasher is assuming I'm I think Slasher is <laughs> assuming that you as the audience still think that Wren is a real character and Dawn has just forgotten what it looks like. Yes. It's oh my god. I, the Duncan. more you think about it, the more your head hurts. Yeah, and the more like I'm offended down to my soul. But <laughs> but Dawn is just kind of thinking out loud about the fact like, oh my god, this place sucks. Somebody here wants me dead and we don't know who it is. And Judith is like, oh, well, it's certainly not me. 
Orin, and she's like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> well, this is the, this is the other thing, right? The the other side of things is right that because like, I'm not gonna let this go now. Episode fucking seven. This episode should have started with essentially what is the end sequence, but done in a different way. Um, like she's, like, I don't know, she's cooking dinner with Ren, and then we see that she's just herself, right? Something along those lines is how we should have started this episode, but. The, the show is working on one of two ways. One, use the audience still think Ren is a real person and no one has recognised them. Or two, use the audience know that Ren isn't a real person and we are seeing that Judith has lost her mind, but we still need to show Ren on the screen and not just Judith losing her mind and speaking to no one now, which is the obvious thing we should be doing in this whole episode. Like, Ren should yeah. be gone now. He shouldn't even be shown on the screen apart from flashbacks. Yeah, I, the fact that they're they're putting all their chips in in like into this bet that yeah. the audience is so stupid that they haven't put this together yet a is horror TV show aimed at yeah. horror fans that is referencing basically the biggest horror movies now of of all time. We're doing a bit of Psycho, yeah. We're doing a, you know, like we're doing a bit of Friday the Thirteenth and all the rest. So you know that you know your slashers. Right, so you're a big fan of those slasher movies and all the rest to watch a TV show called Slasher. But we're gonna do this. Ren isn't real actually, but this character thinks he's real, and no one's gonna fucking get it. And it's we're a play it right in the last episode. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's a million percent Friday the Thirteenth. It is a woman who lost her child and now is killing counselors. I mean, we're still at a assuming, summer camp. Well, we're, we're still assuming <laughs> we're still assuming child. They fuck later on in her head, which to me, did is when I was like that, if this is your child and you were sleeping with them, that's two references to incest in this episode then. Yeah. I mean, look, it's th- this is the spank bang episode uh, <laughs> of Slasher. <laughs> the, the, the bang, the bang, bang bros episode. Yeah. The uh, bang bus has pulled up to, to yeah. the camp. But you're my new stepdad. Yeah. Oh, uh, all right. Anyway, so let's... Mm. So we we do this flashback five years ago, and it's Dawn teaching archery to a bunch of kids. Mm-hmm. And there's this instructor we've never seen before, a character named Ryan. Who is, what's he from? Because I recognize him straight away. He plays a really, he's from 13 Reasons Why. He plays the kind of, you've never watched 13 Reasons I have, Why. No, no, I have not. He plays the kind of douchebag, essentially the guy that rapes the character that kills herself. Um and he, you know, but in here he's playing a likable character. My brain couldn't handle that as soon as he came on the screen. I was like, oh, he's a rapist. Uh, <laughs> I assume that of every character I see in every television show. <laughs> as soon as he came in, I was like, oh no. Um, and he's kind of, he's nice and he's he's genuinely nice. And he's genuinely trying to help Don. And I, I, I quite like this scene. I actually, once again, this... I think I think we said at the beginning, Dawn was my MVP at the start. She's the one that I really wanted to survive. We know that she's not going to, because we now have her flashback, which means she's not going to survive. Right. Um, we've not had a Peter flashback yet, which will be the next episode. Most likely the last episode, I think. Um, but Dawn's on her way out. Like she, She's not going to survive this show. Which is sad, because the more I get to know about her, the more I'm like, she's easily the nicest. Like She is a yeah. complete innocent. She is a hundred percent well until the end, obviously, until we see what she actually did with Alvinder. She is a one hundred percent complete innocent character here. And this show is just going for it on her. 
and when I see a flash, I hear I I like so this guy Ryan uh, we're going to do Ryan Ryan the rapist he's not a rapist but it wasn't another TV show that's why I call him that um, mm-hmm. it's like she's got all these snotty kids over at the Archer thing one of them who is a right cocky little shit who would have been getting clipped at the back of his ear uh, for speaking back to his elders um, <laughs> don't you ever speak back to me like that again and put that fucking fake golf ball back on that one that's for your protection so you don't fucking swing around and take someone eye out with that arrow, you little shit. Anyway, and look, Ryan comes over, it's like, look, look, and she's like, no, no, no. So they, they do like a close scene where he helps her shoot, use the arrow, and of course she wings it. And everyone's like, ha, 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 silly woman can't fire arrows. And then out of nowhere, she's like, like that Hawkeye's it right in the center, practically goes through three arrows that were already in the center to hit the center. Yeah. Ooh. Right, and even Ryan's like, what the fuck? What He's happened? Like, damn. Yeah, damn, 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 Dawn. <laughs> and, and so Ryan and Dawn go walking off in the woods, and Dawn is... Even these, by the way, just leaving these kids with all these... Like, yeah, it just, hey, you kids, don't shoot each other with a bow and arrow. If you do, wave, and somebody yeah. will be along shortly. It's like get, the... Get, uh, <laughs> get in a... And a hand, an arm, a shoulder, a foot. Don't get in the face of the abdomen. We'll get in trouble for that. All the other ones we can cover up, so we're fine. Yeah, if you've been hit by an arrow, it's like uh, the COVID vaccine. We want you to sit here for about 10 minutes. <laughs> if if you're bleeding profusely, then let somebody know. <laughs> Otherwise, just pull it out and go on with your day. Uh, but yeah, so Ryan and Dawn abandon these children with a bunch of bows and arrows. <laughs> protection on the arrow is something they can actually take off themselves very easily yeah it's just like you said it's just a wiffle ball on the end that they could just pull off it doesn't like you don't even have to unscrew it you just pull uh with with about like a tenth of a pound's worth of pressure and it comes right off yeah uh so they they're heading off and dawn is kind of you know, reflecting on her time because Ryan's like, how'd you learn how to shoot a bow and arrow like that? And she's like, well, I had all kinds of lessons and that was in between trips to Europe that my daddy bought for me. And she's kind of going through this list. Of, it's a bit of a poor little rich girl speech. Well, that's how it comes. It starts to come across that way. And then she catches how it sounds. And then she pivots it to, I know it sounds like, oh, woe is me, but Actually, the trips to Europe were just ways of my parents getting rid of me for the summer. So, like, basically, they shipped her off. Yeah, <laughs> um, and, and there's a nice moment here where Ryan asks her, why did you miss the first shot if you were so good at archery? This is why I love Dawn as a character. She has a fucking proper arc. She's yeah. the only one that has a proper arc. And she says, it's because most guys don't like to be shown up. They don't They don't want the girl to be better at them than whatever. And he says, look, I'm not like that, Dawn. I'm not like the other guys. This is my move, too. I'm not like the other guys, Dawn. <laughs> this is, uh, we're getting an insight into the Ransdell maneuver. Yeah, th- it is. It, this, if you want to take notes, here's the Ransdell maneuver. Um, and he's, he says, look, I don't, ca- I don't care if you're better than me at something. I just want you to be you. And he starts to go in for the kiss, also part of the Ranstell maneuver. Mm-hmm. And she ducks under it, though. Yeah. And she's like, not so fast, Mr. Thing. And ah, 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 you got to find the magic word. Ah, ah, ah. like, God damn it, Nedra, please. <laughs> Hold on to your butts. <laughs> and, 
And so she leaves uh, and is heading for Talvinder, who is talking to Owen. Well, yeah, she's late to meet Talvinder. Yes. Talvinder's sitting with the picnic basket, very Yogi Bear. Um, she's going to sit in a, in a park bench with a picnic basket. And we can see the back of this guy in a green shirt. Different yeah. outfit, so he's not a camp counselor. Right. Um, it's guy's... a million percent Ren, though. Is well, absolutely is, well, right. Yeah. Well, yeah, because she refers to him as like, like she's like Owen. Oh, he's like that. He's like, well, maybe next week. And she's like, uh, I'm, you know, I'm going to be busy then. And he's like, um, you're you're always busy. And she's like, and she's like, Talvinder, to her credit, basically says, listen, take the hint read between the lines. I'm always busy when you're asking me to do things because I don't want to do anything with you. And Owen's like, but I think we'd be really good together. And she's like, I don't and here's my friend coming now and then he's like uh, puts his head down and walks away as if we are supposed to take away from this that only Talvinder knew Owen's face fuck this show by the way fuck it (laughs) well and also just as an audience member the show is playing coy because you only glimpse him for a second and I guess the thinking is that some dummy watching this show would be like, wait a second, is that we, Owen? We saw, we saw his headshot get taken in, in the previous yeah. episode as the character Owen. So, yeah. like, you're right, it's a glimpse and he kind of turns around and walks away and I'm like that. It's clearly that guy. We clearly know who it is. He's clearly fucking dead because the show's told us he's dead, which means he isn't real in the real world. Yeah, it, oh, it's so dumb. So... After Ren leaves, uh, Dawn is like, oh my god, was that Owen guy bothering you again? Mm. And then she listens to Talvinder for about two and a half seconds, and then she's like, you are never going to guess what happened with me and Ryan in the woods. And she goes on, and like she's very enthusiastic, and she says uh, that like she wants things to be different with Ryan because she really yep. likes him and isn't. Yep. she's not trying to jump into bed with him or anything. And Talvinder is just like, look, it's just a summer fling. Just go ahead and fuck this guy. And right. now, yeah, once again, remember this sentence. Remember this statement for he's seen later on, including Peter. Right. She goes, this is why I hate. This is why I physically despise Talvinder as a character. Yeah. This show has made her what should be our sympathetic character, right? The the the. Like the fucking spawn of Beelzebub, um, <laughs> like she she is the mistress of lies. It's all for it. you, Talvinder. She is such a nasty fucking piece of work. Like, such yeah, an, it's such an evil, evil woman. Um, and you will get more information. But remember that she does like that was a bit that kind of. Like at first I was like, oh, I can kind of see where Tavender's coming from. And then they show us the scene with Peter later on where she's been like far too clingy and far too all about this isn't a summer fling. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what are we doing here? Yeah, well, all right. So th- this scene ends, though, with Dawn giving Talvinder this necklace with a key on it. Yeah. And she's like, this was super expensive. This boyfriend gave it to me, but I hated him. So now you can have this. But it's super expensive, so you're welcome. Yeah. And so we leave them and go back to present day in the woods where Kira, Peter, and Mark Stroganoff have put the pieces of Renee 
onto a sled. They they left the body and they're like, it's a real kind of, well, let's do this right, let's do this right. You're like, are you ready on one, two, three, one, two, and they start lifting up and then her hand falls off. Right, yeah, because she's just a mess at this point. It's, just, it's all just crap on the ground. Which makes me wonder why we're moving her. Right, yeah. I assume it, the idea is like, well, if we leave her out here, she's going to get et by the wolves, which we haven't seen in about four episodes, but yeah, whatever. We haven't heard them how once. Yeah. <laughs> and so, we were cooking a person a couple episodes ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you think they would come sniffing for that? Like, hey, what you guys got in there? Huh, smells good. Yeah, smell, is, is, that, uh, is that a robin? <laughs> or you have some some cooked robin because we could definitely go for that also uh there is nothing more delicious than a gay batman uh mm. pan seared yeah mm. uh, which was the, in fact the case but uh also thanks to Derek for pointing out that mark stroganoff is a great name for this character uh we agree and yes, so <laughs> yes you know, like right from the start we locked in on that one and that will be his name forever yeah so mark stroganoff is uh clearly upset about all the pieces of renee falling apart and Kira is the one who's like, hey, I think there are some pieces missing. Like, I'm kind of a jigsaw puzzle person, and I just at a glance, I think there's something uh, not here. Yeah, I think there's like an important thing, like a hand or something. Yeah, yeah, important stuff. And then on as they're pulling this pile of goo back on a sled, Peter leans over to Kira and is like, Listen, I don't want to say anything in front of Mark Stroganoff, but I've got to tell you, Kira, I think maybe he's the killer. He's got quite the cover story, you know, on account of, you know, being hit by the snowmobile. And Kira's like, wait, wait, wait. So you're saying he hit himself with a snowmobile. Hit himself with a snowmobile. This is how stupid (laughs) Peter is. This is where you can see in her eyes she's like that. Maybe I've, like, backed the wrong horse here. Yeah. Uh, I changed sides, guys. (laughs) Look, I'm not saying it would be easy. That's what makes him such a clever killer. He's he's like, but the, the idea is maybe he's working with someone, and that someone has the gun. Yeah, and so later on, back at the uh, the the cabin uh, where they are storing the impromptu morgue that they've well, got going this on. This is literally it now. They've managed to now corral all the bodies into one warehouse. Um, it's like yeah. a really small version of the warehouse at the end of Indiana Jones. Um, <laughs> who do you have? Body. Who do you have working on these corpses? Our best people. <laughs> and, and, like so all the bodies are piled in there, and uh, Mark Stroganoff goes and basically to pay his last respects to a character that he he genuinely had some affection for, even though he was a bit shouty to her uh, and questioned her whole relationship with her. You know. Our, um, our, our kind of husband, our life partner in the previous episode. They obviously did have a lot of, like, he'd lived with Rennie for a while um, and cared for her quite a bit. And as he goes kind of rummaging around the body, as you do. <laughs> sure, sure. No better way to pay respects and go rummaging around a, you know, like a corpse. That's my rule of thumb. I've, there's never been a funeral I've attended that I haven't checked the pockets. You well, know, that, you can't. No point you taking them with you. May as well be with me. Um, Do you know how many watches I have thanks to that? <laughs> the death watch wall. Um, <laughs> and he like, he, like, but he, he pulls it from her hand. He finds one single photograph that has clearly either been planted or she managed to keep a hold of while she was getting run down horribly by a snowmobile. And that picture is that of Peter, which leans into his suspicion 
that Mark has had for a while that Peter is actually your killer. So we now have two camps. We have Mark, who thinks Peter is the killer, and Peter, who think who thinks Mark is the killer, and sort of three camps. Kira, who thinks Don is the killer, um, and like <laughs> Judas Soon, who thinks that Ren is the killer. Yeah. <laughs> fucking stupid show so fucking stupid so here's the thing duncan there is no way that season three could be dumber than this season i've been told that season three is dumber than this season it's i do not believe that i've been told it's worse i just i can't believe that we didn't think it could get worse in season one and look where we are now yeah you're right it's like it's like it's like when you go into a building and you go into the elevator and you're like, right, well, what's this got, like, four floors or something? And then you see that there's a lower ground level, a lower, lower ground level, and a basement level. Like, there's three floors down? Yeah. I uh, what, didn't even know this. Sub-level three? What the fuck is on sub-level three? Yeah. This is this is us. This is us in this show. The, this, the, the Slasher has levels worse than this that we just don't know about because we can't see them yet. Aaron Martin has ge- like extra gears of stupid. Like just oh, when you oh. think it's it like fifth gear is a, as high as you can go, he's like, uh, uh, uh. Here's yeah. a, here's this a. Like, <laughs> so like he is basically uh, the Doc Brown, but instead of saying, you know, when this baby hits eighty eight miles an hour, you're going to see some serious shit. That word serious is just out. When when this baby hits eighty eight miles an hour, you're going to see some shit. <laughs> uh, like literally what this show is you just gotta see some shit um all right i get get the feeling every season it just hits 88 miles an hour in a more spectacular way i mean i hope so so (laughs) kira meanwhile is hanging out in her room or whatever examining the literal blood on her hands yeah and then peter comes in is like look i this is probably not the time to tell you but i find bloody women very hot well, he comes, he comes in and stares at her in the creepiest sort of way and then walks down, holds her hands, and then, and the best decision that this show has ever done, they have taken the advice of DBCC and they have followed the time-old tradition of they should be fucking both. And, and fuck they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume that there's some 69-ing. Oh, it's wild. Uh, yeah. Like some like nipple clamps and a car battery for no reason at all nice yeah that that's when you know you're having a good time is when the automotive parts arrive <laughs> well that may as well take them off the snowmobile because there's no fucking gas to use it so yeah as well for sexy time right like hey w- look what i got it's an oil filter wrench let's have a blast you know what i'm saying I don't even know where that goes, but it's going somewhere, Duncan. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to start using phrases like give you a chin-up. I don't know what it means either, but that's That's what you ought to say to Corinne next time sexy time comes around. Like, yeah. I'm going to give you a chin-up. Like, what will happen is the next time I come on here, I'll have a fucking black eye and a busted jaw. <laughs> the, Corinne, I need to check your dipstick. <laughs> 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 yeah, there'd be no, the, uh, this show's just going to be called Bo Comes Correct. <laughs> Bo, Bo, Bo and the urn of Duncan come correct. <laughs> That's right, Duncan. Nothing. I'll get, like, what I'll do is I'll get one of those remote control devices so I can kind of jiggle the urn to make it seem like you're talking. I'll be like, shape, oh, shape, shape. Ah. Oh, Ben Laurie. <laughs> uh, 
it'll just be the Monty Python lady voices. Um, Either that, or you're going to imagine that I'm a Ren-like character. Oh my god! If yeah, it's just an empty screen every week, and you're just having a, like a whole conversation, and everyone's like, "Does Bo know that Duncan died?" That would either he does. it would either be the sign that like mental illness had finally claimed me, or the greatest meta joke in history. It's one of the two, and I'm I'm well, for either. Well, we did do a whole season of me being a robot, so yeah, that's true. Aren't you? Don't know. I'm. <laughs> Am I? Don't tell me that. Now. Not like yeah. this, Bo. Not it's, like this. It's a real replicate situation we've got on our hands here. Uh, all right. Anyway, so uh, let's do another flashback because we don't have enough of those in this episode. There's, There's only a flashback, Slasher. Yeah. And so it's Talvinder and Dawn. Uh, and it's where Dawn's kind of revealing the story uh, of her stepfather, which we'd heard alluded to when they when Talvinder like goes off on everybody well she like basically like does the like does the scene from clue where she opens the envelope and knows everyone's secrets and then spits them out at absolutely everyone which at least we now know how she acquired this knowledge here but then it makes me wonder how she acquired the knowledge for everyone else i'm assuming everyone else had a heart to heart with her which doesn't make sense when you think susan clearly never liked her <laughs> like so oh no 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 Susan... oh well they were at the same school though that's what that's why they were at the same school that's how she knew about susan because she said that yeah no this right, was so that's how she knew the susan thing but she's like clearly everyone else had told her they must have otherwise how did she know yeah and so and this is the moment where we get dawn saying yeah i was uh, they were talking about being the other woman dawn's like yes. I, one time i was the other woman and it was with her stepfather and she's like no 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 not like that it's not like he well, was tal vendor goes tal vendor starts to go i'm really sorry thinking it was like a molestation thing or a grooming thing and she's like no 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 i initiated it yeah yeah she she says uh, my mother had terrible taste in men, and I just decided to prove it to her. And but she also backs that up with, but I, you know, I feel terrible about that, and that's not how I want things to be with Ryan because that guy's hot. Mm-hmm. And Talvinder says, "You know what you need, Dawn. You need a wing woman." I've never heard that sentence before. Uh, wing man. Uh, do women need wing women? I, I, you know, who doesn't need a friend, Duncan? That, I mean, well, yeah, that's a friend, I but I, I don't know if, like, women, uh, guys, like, we're just terrible. Like, any guy listening to the show, you'll know that. Like, guys need, like, a pep talk, like a coach pep talk before you go and, like, try and uh, make the moves and all the rest. You need someone there to hype. You need a hype guy. Like, Who the man? Yeah. You're the man. Like, you, like, I don't think women need that. Well, <laughs> I think women are just, like, generally better than guys, so they don't have to worry about that shit. I think I it's kind of a predator prey situation where guys tend to hunt in yeah. alone in or or in small packs. <laughs> you know, it's two two to three guys out in the dating world. You know, the, again, small packs. Women much more moving in herds to protect one another. Where you've got like an, a set of ten ladies out for a night out after work, but mm. they've got this big group so that the weak and the infirm don't get you know gobbled up by the the yeah. guys hunting uh in in the smaller packs and so i yeah. think tell vendor here is like you know look we don't have a lot of girlfriends around so you let me help protect you and i'll see what's going on with ryan and i'll report back 
and we're all like, Lactal Vendor, maybe she wasn't that bad, but there's an ulterior motive here. Oh, right, right. It's and the shadiest ulterior motive that made me want to kill her with fire. Yeah, it, it becomes a very selfish thing here very quickly. But so we leave that flashback to come back to the present. So many flashbacks. Yeah, it's it's a real you get whiplash. You get a whiplash watching this show because you're like, oh, we're in the past. Dude, oh, we're in the future. There's at least four to five flashbacks left in this episode. Yeah, yeah, you're right, actually. And I mean, it happens. Th- this whole episode is is pointless flashbacks. Yes. And so we move to present day where Mark Stroganoff is having a beer at the table with like everybody sitting around in this comedy. And Ren. Ren's here having a cold one. Oh, he sure is. And Mark Stroganoff is like, hey, I'm going to get another beer. Anybody want another beer? Peter, you want a beer? How do you feel about a beer, buddy? You want a beer? Hey, how about a cold one? Boy, a cold one would be good right about now, wouldn't you say, Peter? And Peter's it's like, so, it's so it's so it's so warm in here. <laughs> All right, well, if if there's no Earl Grey, I'll have a beer. And yeah, he goes up. He, he you know cracks a cold one for Don, cracks a cold one for Peter, slips something into his drink. Yeah, slips him a Mickey, which is one of my favorite things in any uh, any kind of entertainment. I, I genuinely thought you were about to say that's also the Ransdale maneuver, and I was busy ball. Duncan. <laughs> Let's not go. No. What do I work at EA? No. (laughs) I'm. I don't. I don't have a Cosby Suite. That's terrible. No. Uh. No. no, I'm sorry. That was Blizzard Activision. EA's got their own problems. Blizzard Activision is the one that has uh, all the the. Yeah. Turns out, like every every large company, mostly headed up by men, has problems. Dude, it's crazy. And the, sh- and the shock of, like, I mean, but I'm surprised that people are still surprised about this. Like, to me, I just assume everyone's bad. Yeah, well, like, all, all men are, bad. yeah. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, oh, that's what I mean. Every man is a bad man until they have proved they're not. That's just my default stance at the moment because the more I hear about these companies, the more I'm like, what, what happened to having a job that pays the mortgage like now it's like i need to have a job that pays the mortgage so i can abuse my staff and sleep with them all like when did that become a thing dude let me tell you just from personal experience i've done a fair amount of you know online dating Mm. over the years you know like you do when you're single in your 30s and 40s yeah and the number of women I've gone out with that were just like, thank you for not sending me a picture of your dick. That's unbelievable. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. I was like, what? That's a thing. They're like, all the time. It is yeah. It is incredibly common. What, one of uh, one of my wife's friends on Facebook, she um, she recently separated from her longtime partner last year, and she put, she shames him on Facebook. Like if like someone drops a like a DM into her Instagram or into her Facebook, like an unsolicited dick pic, she obviously blocks it out because she can't. <laughs> but she she takes a screen grab of the conversation, she posts it on Facebook. I, I that's fantastic. I, like we've got to stop this behavior. This yeah, it's I, I, it's why horrifying. Is that, like you wouldn't you wouldn't <laughs> you wouldn't go on a first date with someone and at the at the restaurant table after you put the chair in bring down your zipper whip your dick out like you wouldn't do this i don't know <laughs> the only know time this is appropriate duncan is if you're some kind of penis model <laughs> and i'm not a, i'm not sure I mean, if that's a job 
it's a niche thing. It's a niche thing. Right. But like, it's a, it's a hard market to get somebody to be a penis model. Uh, but you know, I just don't understand how that's. Oh yeah, I've got a phone on my camera. I'm just going to send this woman that I don't know a picture of my dick because you know what? Women love seeing dicks. Right. You you, you hear women talk about it all the time about how pretty dicks are. All the time. I, yeah. I mean, my favorite thing was when I uh, when we had that leaked footage of um, Hillary Clinton on the campaign trail speaking to that guy from that reality TV show, say, grab them by the penis. Um, yeah. Because that's, you know, that's what women are like. Yeah, women, women are nothing but just horn dogs, uh, yeah. very famously. Yeah, it, it, it's stunning. But anyway, so yes, anyway. we're slipping Mickey's into Peter's beer. Mm. And then as soon as they give peter this beer don's like oh my god i know everybody how about we play a drinking game we'll play- this game is this game is genius for two reasons because one is designed in such a way that peter's going to drink all his beer very 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 quickly uh-huh. the second the second reason it's kind of genius is it inadvertently starts to show how much of a scumbag peter is right in front of kira who he's just slept with <laughs> yes yeah yeah, it does do double duty in that way. Because, well, it starts off with, uh, okay, never have I ever dated Andy. And yeah. so Peter has to take a drink for that one. Yeah. And then somebody, it might be Dawn again, who's like, never have I ever uh, stuck. No, it's the the next one is stuck a finger up someone's butt. Yeah. And Peter's like, all right, another drink. And then the next one no the sticking the finger up the butt everyone yeah gets nobody so they're like you've got to drink twice so he does and oh my god but it does like they drink when they do the drink tracy takes the one drink and then doesn't yeah drink right and then they're like oh you need to do two and that's the shot that you've got for the show art which is so good for some reason imaginary ren who's drinking an imaginary beer also puts up two fingers to show that he's supposed to be drinking two beer uh, two drinks from his beer yeah which is fucking stupid doesn't need to be here yeah doesn't need to be here it's, what, oh, what are we fucking doing it's so funny and then it's cheating on a partner and that's where he drinks and kira's like what yeah, like kind of looks at our language like, yikes. Um, and then and Peter starts no, was, to get woozy here. This is finally, like, really, I'm, get, I'm getting a little woozy. Yeah, wait a second. I think you guys have sent me a Mickey. Well, this, 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 how quick does ketamine work? Well, I'll not t- that quick, not that quick, Bo. Only one way to find out, Duncan, and we're gonna do it right now. <laughs> Let me okay. the ketamine uh, test. I'll, I'll uh, be taking ketamine right here on camera. You know what uh, I mean? He takes essentially four drinks out of this bottle. Whatever it was, it looked like one tablet of ketamine that had been split in there and swiveled around in the beer. So I don't, I can't imagine like from a pharmacy because this is Benny Ironside's personal stash. Can't imagine from a pharmacy they're giving them like full on knock you fucking cold mm-hmm. ketamine in one capsule. <laughs> and it's it's amongst the, the entire thing of beer he's only had four sips from it so what the fuck are we doing anyway to speed things up because it's you know movie magic um he gets up and he starts oh i'm, I'm getting a little woozy and um they're like right so let's let, you know let, let's get him tied up kira's like well, did you drug him they're like yeah we gave him some ketamine um Peter's like i, need, I gotta get out of here <laughs> so yeah he's the door yeah and Mark Stroganoff, it like shows Kira, like, "Hey, I found this picture of Peter in Renee's 
uh, stuff, you know, her mm-hmm. pile of goo. And as soon as he stumble, uh, Peter stumbles out the door, Mark just shuts the door behind him. Yeah, one less problem. Does the old, you yeah. know, wipes the hands clean, locks it. One less thing to do. Peter goes outside, shoves his fingers back his throat, which is a smart move, Peter. Yeah. He'd obviously been trained at Starfleet Academy. Um, so he shoves his fingers back his throat, vomits up the beer with the ketamine, um, and it essentially becomes Jack Nicholson uh, from The Shining, just kind of, <laughs> the snow. Yeah. Uh, like, just away. And then, then they, they have to, the, well, Mark's basically like to Kira, how well do you know him? And then Kira, like, expertly pivots it back to well how well do you know don and don's like hey i'm right behind you just now <laughs> like yeah what we did here yeah. how well do you know how do how well do you know her like none of this would have happened if they hadn't have come to this hill and we're still paying for the sins that they wrought upon us right many people and kira storms off because she wants no part of this like drugging a person and letting them out into the wilds to die seems kind of happy to leave them out to die though um well she She goes upstairs to meditate (laughs) right i'm just gonna i I just need a few minutes to get my shit together and so she takes off and then mark stroganoff tells dawn who when she's like we we can't leave him outside uh he's like look you need to take a good long hard look in the mirror and start taking ownership of how you and Peter and all these people that you brought up here are responsible for the mess we're in right now. Yeah, they're responsible for the mess we're in. And like I've said before, clearly that isn't the case. Okay. And I'm glad that at the end of this episode, they kind of swing back to that, that yes, they are to some extent a cause of something, but they're not the the primary well, I, I'm going to. I'm be interested to see it plays out totally. But you, you've got Robin was a murderer. Uh, Rennie clearly had it in her to murder. Benny Ironside was a murderer. Um, Mark Strong uh, or Stroganov or whatever we're calling him, he helped people get away with murder. And Kira accidentally killed someone. Um, and Judith will get into her next week because she is actually a fucking multiple murderer. Yeah. Uh, she's fucking multiple Migs. Um, but like, so like, they literally like, I like, the show wants to have its cake and eat it too and it can't on this where it keeps playing it that the people in this cabin are, are somehow the victims when every single one of them is not. And that's the, the guilty party thing. And that's obviously, we're going to get a bit more into that um on the final episode i think but then i don't think it's probably just going to be as dumb as well talvinder died and owen loved her and owen killed himself because the police were investigating but owen was actually the son of judith and judith so happened to be here and then she went crazy that uh, i will be shocked if that is not the case we were well let's put it this way we both thought that ren would be revealed as not a real person in this episode though that's true that's true but the slasher outdumbed us again <laughs> i was just thinking about this as well remember the previous season had a inexplicable post-credit sequence you know we're getting one for this season oh i hope so i all right uh, let's I, I, what i want it to be more than anything is that we jump forward a year later and we actually find that Talvinder didn't die she escaped and started up a new life somewhere and she comes back to the scene of where she escaped from that and it wasn't her body at all. So everything was just wrong. <laughs> I, 
I've considered Talvender still being alive uh, before as well. I and, did, and then you talked me out of it. So yeah, and I still, I I don't, I don't she's think dead. so. But I think she's dead. Yeah, I just can't put anything past this show at this point. But <laughs> that's the thing is like I that seems too ridiculous, but also too ridiculous in slasher are you know completely juxtaposed ideas yeah it's, it's too ridiculous but also too ridiculous to pass up if you're on right yeah you know, yeah right if you're if like aaron martin pitches that to you you would be like aaron martin that's a stupid idea and he'd be like aha stupid like a fox <laughs> and and there you'd have it but all right let's do a little bit of a a, a flashback roundup because we got a bunch of them all in a row so much flashback to catch up on here so there's Talvender and Peter in the woods after some fucking. Yeah. And we are, oh, like that, some, some of that good dicking that clearly has been going on for a while. And she finally turns around and she's like, so when like, we're, we're a couple of weeks away from like leaving here, when are you going to tell Andy about us and what are we going to do? How are we going to make this work? Long-term, you know, long distance relationships are a bit difficult, but you know, I'm going to move in with, with Dawn. And so we'll have a place and, you know, we can do this and we can do that. And he's like, yikes right it, well she's like when it yeah when are you gonna break up with andy and he's like well listen i'm not saying i'm not going to break up with andy but i'm just you know keeping my options open the summer's coming to a close and i'm keeping some doors open which once again is why if peter is the surviving character from this show this show can go and fuck itself yeah, he's one of the worst people on, he really, uh, in, really in this is. group. He really, really, really is. He's like got no redeeming features at all. Oh, like they might as well have just said in the audition, "How much of a shagger are you?" Oh, you're a big shagger, right? Then you can be Peter in this season because that is all he's done. Yeah, it's he's just going like camp counselor to camp counselor, getting it wet. Yeah, like, but even think about. it. Like the the all like even in this series alone and this timeline, he slept with Andy, and then tried to get back with her after all the shit he pulled. Yeah, um, and he's very quickly moved on to Kira. Yes, this is, all these events are supposed to have happened over like a four day period. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. He was real quick to like, you know look any port in a storm. Am I right? This is why he's such a fucking dick character, and that's why I'm like like Dawn is the one that needs to survive. She really, she's the one that I like. Her and Kira need to survive this show. And if the two of them don't survive this show, then it's once again a shining example of why Aaron Martin does not understand storytelling. Okay, so we have yes. that happening, and then kind of simultaneous in the same flashback, Dawn and and Talvender are later in the flashback, rather, but about the same time. But it goes from that flashback to another flashback where Dawn and Talvinder are talking about Ryan. And Talvinder is clearly worried that if Dawn and Ryan end up hooking up, because, you know, Dawn is saying shit like, I can totally see us building Ikea furniture together and having our own place. And Talvinder's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought we were about to move in together. And she's like, ah, of course we are. But if things work out with Ryan, I'll sublet my room. I'm not going to leave you in the lurch or anything. Don't even worry about it. But Talvinder is like, fuck that. I am not. I, I didn't sign up to get a uh, just a stranger for a roommate. But this is. But how did Talvinder think this was going to play out if her and Peter were together? Because Don and yeah. I are friends. 
Like, how is that good? Like, how did she even factor? This is why I hate her, Bo. This is why I fucking hate her. That selfish. And for, I don't have to use these words because these are like derogatory Scottish words. But she's a selfish wee bit. All right, I, I, I will take your word for it. Yeah, don't go. If you're in Scotland, never refer to a woman as a wee bit, or you will be stabbed. <laughs> okay, good to know. Um, so after setting that up, we move to another flashback, even later in in the story, where Dawn and Talvinder are kind of conspiring one night about like Talvinder being her wing woman and going yes. to talk to Ryan and kind well, of. Well, they're going to have a big party so they're going to get booze in and get some fun and all the rest and what she wants to do is send Talvinder in uh, to do a little bit of recon this is all military bro, military she's going to send mm. her to do a bit of recon uh, you know, under the guise of what alcohol do you want oh and by the way, are you seeing anyone right now, are you single do you like my homegirl um, Bravo and- team, do <laughs> you like this boy, check the box <laughs> yes or no <laughs> She goes up and she basically like, um, Austin, I'm going to get some alcohol. Do you want me to get some for you? And what does insert name we've never heard before of another counselor that's in this show? Um, oh, like, do, do you want, what does she drink? And he's like, well, why would I know that? And he's like, well, used to her and I am, are you not? And he's like, no, we're, we're friends. Actually, if, if I'm being honest, I was kind of hoping that, you know, something's going to happen with me and Dawn. And Talvinder's like, yeah, yikes. Oh, I don't... Eh, this is not an easy thing to bring up, but she was she was up to some dirty business with her stepfather. Well, she, at first she says, if I was you, I would take it really, really, really slow. As yeah. in, like, don't make any moves for a while. And he's like, all right, why is that? And he's like, well, I shouldn't tell you, but some things with her stepdad. And of course, the same way that Talvinder originally took it, she... Puts it kind of. She puts it actually in a more sinister way. So like Ryan's like, "Oh, right. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that." Um, and then she's like, "Yeah, but don't, I, I, you know, sworn to secrecy. Don't tell anyone about it. All the rest." And then she gets up, and I was thinking to myself, "How did Talvinder think this was ever going to play out?" It's like a huge degree of naivety here. If she thinks that they're not like Don's not going to keep pursuing Ryan after this fact even yeah. or, or like there's going to be some confrontation when she gives her the justification for why ryan's not interested which by the way i was like oh <laughs> did not just say that to don right. um speaking of you think it's going to play out you know what i mean it's, it's a it's a flawed fucking plan to begin with yeah it's right it's a terrible terrible plan yeah. Um, but yeah, so ryan is like oh my god i'll, I'll back off then and tell vendors like damn right you will and so we cut back to the present again where Judith is just smashing marbles or balls or something with a silver box. Just I being crazy. It, well, I assumed it was to create something sharp to cut herself with. Oh, okay. I, I didn't even make that leap, but yeah, you're probably right. And that was, that was my, that was my guess as cliched as it is, but that's kind of how I thought, but that's Ren comes in to talk her off the ledge. Bo. Yeah. Um, a scene. Oh, and Ren, yeah, so ultimately Ren kisses her and she smacks him and to and pushes him away, at which point he kneels down like he's gonna have some dinner at the Y. And you know what I'm saying? And then Judith bends down and kisses him again, and then they just get down. Yeah. 
again, a second instance of uh, the DBCC philosophy uh, you know, presented on screen in this show of, well, Judith and Rin should obviously be fucking. Yeah, and, I will stress, though, that that extends to just fucking yourself if you want. Yeah, that I mean, this is what she's doing. Yeah, she's just engaging in a little self-love, Duncan, and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Some, some, um, some. I, I would say it's mandatory maintenance. Yeah, it, well, making yeah, sure your bits work. Make yeah, yeah, clearing out the pipes, making sure everything's good to go. Yeah, and so we leave that little love nest to Peter, who is just wandering around in in the dark in the snow. And- oh, no, hey. And he finds something that looks like a lighthouse in the middle of nowhere. A lighthouse in the middle of the woods on a mountain. Yeah. It's, fuck, what are we doing? And he gets inside, and there's a shelter, and, uh... A devil worship area? Yeah, there's a shrine where all these candles are lit, and it looks like pieces of all the people who have been murdered or all over the uh the shrine area yeah and at first it looks like there's a corpse swinging from the rafters yeah but then we learn it's just a mannequin and i don't mean kim Cattrall, duncan Ooh. oh right i'm like because she was a mannequin right sorry i thought you just meant that she was a wooden actress and no like, oh, you're gonna upset a lot of people if you see no that. no no uh would have been better if i said christy swanson aka mannequin two on the move no, that's not any better. Um, so. But yeah, so he sees what's up. He's, he swipes something from the altar and takes off. Yep. And and so meanwhile, Duncan, Mark Stroganoff is just hanging out in the living room, staring into the fire like all healthy people do. Yep. And Dawn comes down to find him and she is like, you know what? Let me tell you this story about birds. <laughs> What I, love once, I love this stuff. Once again, Dawn is easily the most interesting character in this. Like, every time she speaks, yes, sometimes the stuff she says is dumb. But, like, once again, the story arcs. Yeah. Like, you, like, you get to know why she is the one you... In this episode, you definitely get to know why she is the way she is. But you also get to know why she can be so cold about certain things as well. Yeah, and, and so she says that once upon a time, she was... she like a bird just came across her path. She stepped on it accidentally. Yes. And when she lifted up her foot, her, her feet, foot, uh, one of those, foot. uh, I tried both at the same time and that's not a word. No, uh, foot, fiat. So when the red from here, I, I smell almonds and I taste pennies, Duncan. I, I think that's a good sign. So, so after she steps on this bird, She's like, uh, you know, I had to make a decision whether or not I was going to let this thing suffer. The, 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 bird, the bird was lying on the ground saying, I'm not dead. I'm just very badly crushed. Help me. Help me. <laughs> and <laughs> so she picks up a rock. And <laughs> <laughs> she, 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 she closes her eyes and just stood down on it really, really hard. Right. Um, yeah, but But I'm, also why she can't really kill anything, you know? Like, she's like, I can't, I don't have the stomach for this. Yeah, and she, which explains why in the scene where Talvinder was like, with eyes all fucking shredded and flopped them about the place, it was Andy that picked up the big stone and finished the job off. Yeah. Because uh, Don can't, she physically can't 
which is interesting because she's been shooting that gun round the entire season, but <laughs> she, she physically can't do it. She doesn't have it in her. But I like the line that she says afterwards. Like, she's like, and the thing about it is up to that point, she really liked birds. Yeah. It's yeah. a great line. It's really well written. Dawn should have been the MVP of this episode. She's the Sarah we should have got from season one that we didn't fucking get. Mm-hmm. Um like she, I, I really like this character now. Like I've, I've always kind of liked her, but I now really like this character. And she's like, you know what? When all this is over, if I get out of here, if I don't die, I'm going to make this right. I'm going to go to the police. I'm going to tell them what happened with Alvinda. I'm going to own up and accept the responsibilities. And uh, you know, which once again is either that's her character arc. When she arrived on day one, she was the one that got them all there. She was the one that told them they had to get away because she did not want. Like her life was fine and she didn't want anything to fucking ruin it. So she badgered them all up there on that hill to do it. And now here we are, second penultimate episode, and she's like that. You know what? I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to go and own up to it. I'm going to take whatever whatever comes my way. I'm going to set things right. And I'm like, did we did we just get... Did you, was that a, wait, is that a satisfactory character or did we just get that on this show? Did we just... I, I, like I'm, I'm like that to me. Like when I get giddy excited about the fundamentals of writing a character in a TV show, that shows you how bad the rest of the TV show is. Yeah. Oh, it's it's all right. So, but don't get too comfy, Duncan, because it's <laughs> flashback time. Yeah, and so we go back five years ago again, where Dawn is asking Telvender, like, "Hey, what did Ryan say about me? That guy's a real cutie patootie." And Talvinder's like, uh, look, um, he's okay, but in the meantime, I've been looking for some apartments for us to rent. She, <laughs> and Don's like, no, 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 I need to know what Ryan said. And uh, Don is like, well, our Talvinder says, look, Ryan says he's, you're not really his type. And yeah. she's like, what does that mean? And he tell Vitter, this is such a terrible thing to say to it's anyone. It's a fucking horrible thing to say. What she 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 might as well have said to her, he doesn't like a hungry hippo. That right, li- you know that is literally what he says. She says to Don, but and a way which somehow makes it even worse. Yeah, he, well, she says to Don, Ryan's not into curvy girls. He likes real skin and bones types, and Don is like. So he thinks I'm fat. And then we go to this drunken party that all these counselors are having. And Dawn has let loose. She's, she's, she's doing the, what Duncan does at Christmas parties for work and is no longer invited to Christmas parties. (laughs) Your fucking problem is you're a dickhead. You know what your problem is? You're a dickhead. You know, you're a good guy, actually. We have a lot of fun together. Uh, but you, you're a real cocksucker. Yeah. And so while she's laying into Ryan about being, you know, where she's basically like, I'm just too much woman for you. And he's like, uh, first of all, Dawn, you are very drunk. Yeah. Also, uh, what are you talking about? I'm just trying to be respe- respectful on account of your troubles. And yes. she's like, wait a second, what troubles? And he's like, you know, your stepfather being a little hoo-hoo. Yeah. And I think that's exactly <laughs> how he puts it. And then Don... As, as, he would say in the, as, as he would say in the last podcast, unless, molest. Yeah. yeah. And Don 
It's like, wait a second. That's not what happened. Wait a second. And then they both look over at Talvender. Yeah. And and the, then she looks up and she does uh, Wrath of Khan. She goes, Talvender! Right. Talvender! Talvender is like, from hell's heart, I stab at thee. Like, because she does, she looks at her and she's fucking furious. And I'm yeah. like, all right, now we have, now we know why Dawn was like, let's leave this bitch in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Which once again is not about what they were planning to do with her is to me is like the least I don't I'm not into like no one should be their own judge jury and executioner but in the grand scheme of things what they were going to do are is nowhere near as what as bad as what she did to everyone else yeah yeah I mean we'll, we'll get to the moment of the conspiracy but it's not again not the worst thing in the world but yeah uh so Dawn just cries and runs off uh, we go back uh, to the present where Judith and Ren are all are cuddling, all post coital like. Yeah, like uh, uh, Ren's in imaginary sleep. Uh, yeah, and um, she's like, ah, oh, and she's kind of touching his chest, and she's looking around, and lo and behold, in Ren's clothes, does she not find? He's got a gun. He does have a gun, Duncan, and she uh, points the gun at him. But doesn't shoot. She can't shoot. Man. Yeah, she can't kill him uh, because he's he's a fake person. He's and, not there. That's yeah, right. why. <laughs> not... She be shooting the floor. <laughs> and so she kind of slips out of the room so she doesn't wake up Ren. He's not there. Yeah, and looks in on Kira. <laughs> Kira's asleep. No, she's meditating. She's sitting on a fucking hammock with two straight, like two of those like fucking metal steel balls in her hand doing the fucking meditation thing while her bow is outside fucking freezing to death. She's in a room with a fire in front of her, like all relaxed, meditating. And Judith's like, oh, I need to get out of here. I'm going gonna, gonna to solve this issue now by taking the only weapon. This is how fucking stupid this show is. I'm going to take the only weapon the characters could use to defend themselves. I'm not going to tell anyone in the house that Ren's the killer. Rather, what I'm going to do is go out to the snow and essentially kill myself, leaving the gun and my body in a place that people will never find it and thus leaving everyone trapped in the house with the killer. It would solve some problems, Duncan. Well, I mean, in the real world, it solves the problem. Um, In the slasher world, though, it makes zero fucking sense. Yeah, yeah, and while she's taken off outside, Peter shows up outside the window where Dawn's standing, but he does a real, like, Salem side, like, you know, let me in, Dawn. (laughs) He commands it. And Dawn, thinking quickly, some quick goat thinking on her part, she goes, uh, hey, Mark Stroganoff, how about you put on some coffee? We're probably going to be up all night. Give him an excuse to go to the kitchen as if Mark Stroganoff means an excuse to go to the kitchen. Yeah. And, and <laughs> He's so, like, I'll, to- I'll totally make the coffee when I'm through there. I can make myself a sandwich. Yeah. But yeah, probably a light, uh, rack of lamb. I'm going to put that together pretty quick. <laughs> and Just a, you know, a real nice, uh, like kind of a sweet, but with a little bit of a tart sauce. I think you're really mm. going to like it. I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> And so he goes off to the kitchen. Uh, Dawn opens the door all sneaky like and is like, get your ass in here, Lottie. And <laughs> in comes uh, Peter 
And Peter is like, listen, I have to tell you, this is not about Talvinder at all. It's about some guy named Owen. It's about Owen. Now, they all know who Owen is. Once again, we have to stress that. They know who Owen is. The reason we know who... The reason we know they know who Owen is is because when they talk about why they weren't originally fingered for the crime, it was all blamed on this Owen guy who was obsessed with her at the camp. Yes. So they know who they know the name. This show is trying to hypothesize that they don't know what it looked like, which is fucking stupid. But um, like they know who Owen is. So when she says that, she's like, <gasps> and then out of nowhere, uh, Peter gets his head cracked hard. Yeah, Mark straight up tackles him. Like, it's an honest-to-goodness football tackle. Slams him and his head against the door. Knocks Peter cold. Yeah, so Peter is now out. We're we're then, we're jumping to, like, like Kira going, what the fucking hell happened here? You know, I just went up to meditate, and all of a sudden Peter's unconscious. And, of course, she does the thing where, um, like, Don's like that. Peter says that he knows you know, who the killer is. And um, like Kira looks at Mark and's like, oh, it's interesting that you would tackle him and knock him out when he was about to give away the killer. That's a kind of interesting thing. And um, while they're all kind of doing stuff, she pulls a lock of hair, which is what he took. Which, how would you work it that was on? I, I have no idea. I don't know why this is a, a, a good piece of evidence for any of this stuff. But Unless it's Talvinder's here. Maybe, but even then. Oh, it was in a. Oh, oh, it's in a. No, that's too convenient. This show's not that smart. Is it because our hair was done in a braid? And, and so, therefore, it has to be Talvinder's? Well, at the beginning of this episode, what was Don doing at Talvinder's hair? Yeah, braiding her hair. Maybe so. Maybe so. Seems that, like a stretch. It, I mean... Like it's Andy's hair. And I'm like, well, Andy's... Nothing was wrong with Andy's hair. Yeah, exactly. And they... well, And, and Kira, uh, after saying, like, this looks like Andy's hair, Mark Stroganoff hypothesizes, oh, well, that's like the trophy of a serial killer. Yeah. And then, Duncan, we cut to... Our final flashback of the episode. The one that you could argue is, I would say, the most important out of the last four we've seen. Oh, 100%. You could consolidate all of the flashbacks in this episode to two, maybe three. Yeah. But uh, it's it's five years ago, and it's Dawn and Andy and Susan all talking about how terrible Talvinder is. And Susan, yeah, Susan's like, look, we gotta do something about this bitch. Susan, Susan is amazing. Like, yeah. I miss Susan. I mean, he killed her too quick. Susan is just like she's fucking br- <laughs> brittle. She's yeah. like that. Well, I'll tell you what we're gonna do. We're gonna write a letter from her mum to her fucking disowning her, saying that she's an embarrassment <laughs> and a disgrace, and she's just kill herself. And they're all like, damn. Right. Look, we're just trying to, you know, prove a point here. Well, I'd like this to like Don not say something like just remind me to stay on the good side of you, Susan. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And because, so, like, because Don's Don's approach comes across as innocent at first until Andy points out that it's also lethal. So, like, maybe we put some corn syrup in our like our hair dryer. So when she uses it, her hair gets sprayed with corn syrup, and it's in her hair. It's really difficult to take out. And Andy's like, yeah, and it's also highly flammable, so her hair will go on fire. And you know, the burner. She's like, oops, let's not do that then. 
Right, but they all agree, like, we've got to do something that, that scares the shit out of her. The trial of Tal Vendor is what they call it. Yeah, and so, yeah, they agree to put her on this trial, and they're like, once we're done, we're going to make her walk back to camp all by her lonesome. Yeah, and that'll... Not the worst thing in the world, but, you know, certainly a thing that would be inconvenient and, and would hopefully prove a point. Yes. So Give her time with her thoughts to think of the wrong she's done, which, by the way, made a, a much longer walk to catalog the list of horrible things Talvinder's done as a character. Don't like her. Yeah. Don't like her, bro. Oh, she's a rotten person. No doubt about that. And and so the the tail end of this episode is Judith out in the snow putting the gun in her mouth and like ready to pull the trigger and Ren shows up behind her just in the nick of time yeah and she's like you're the killer and he's like so what look we love each other why on earth would it matter if, if I'm a murderer all I need you to do is to admit to me that you love me and and give me the gun and Which- she does yeah she says i do love you and then they they embrace back at the cabin mark stroganoff has realized that judith isn't in her room so he's gone out to look for her yeah and comes across this clearing where from the audience point of view it's judith and wren embracing and now he has the gun yeah and they hear mark stroganoff calling out judith's name and as soon as he comes into the, the clearing, Ren lifts the gun, fires, blows the back of Mark Stroganoff's head off, and Judith screams, no, when it so, happens. Yeah, and that's the end of this and, and Right, then and then if, credits. If, yeah, if the next episode does not start with the same scene happening and then the camera turns around and it's Judith holding the gun and Ren isn't there this show can go and fuck itself with a chainsaw. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we we like to do a little bit of prediction on this show, considering neither of us have seen the final episode of Slasher Season 2 yet. Yeah, so like, so we have one episode left. Here are the things that the show has to do, and it definitely won't have time to do all of it. We need to get Peter's backstory, which we're not going to get. So Peter is, once again, just a character with a dick. Yeah, and that he likes putting in people. That's yeah. literally his, his so we're we're not gonna get that. Um we are I think gonna get Judith's backstory because we have to. Right? Yeah, yeah, I think it opens with a flashback to Judith, yes. Yeah, and if we don't get a sizable portion of this episode explaining exactly one who who Ren was to Judith, to how Ren ended up at the cabin for as long as she did, three how this ties into uh, her knowing that the kids were, that were coming up there, because she seemed to be been there for a long time, how the kids coming up there knew Ren and how all that stuff links together. Unless it explains that in a satisfactory way, then it's, the, once again, the show is shit. Um, but we are... Let's talk about who we've got left. Judith is left as a, a character. Right. Kira, yeah. Dawn, and Peter. Yeah. That's that is it. So, uh, I mean, realistically, we we kind of hitched our our wagon, so to speak, to Kira to survive, and I still think she will. Um, but do we think do we think Don and Peter survive? 
I mean, there is a world in which Peter and Kira survive and Dawn doesn't. And that's what I think is going to happen. And I'm not going to be happy about it. It ought to be Dawn and Kira. I think so. I think they, they ought to be the real survivors. A, she's the she's the redeemable character in this whole thing. Peter isn't. Um, once again, the fact that he, as soon as the as soon as they come across the bloody snowmobile, his instinct was, "Does this snowmobile work?" As opposed to where does all this blood come from, which was Kira's. Like I said before, when when they do the old drinking game you start to hear the litany of things that he's kind of guilty of doing. He's not a nice character, and the show hasn't done anything to redeem him out with that. He's very two-dimensional and thus can be removed, whereas Kira's helped everyone throughout this. Um, She's a powerful character as well. I hope we finally get those... Well, we've set up that she went to women's self-defense classes in a previous episode, so I want to think that she's the one that takes down Judith. And then we've also set up the fact that Don can't she physically can't kill anything that I would like to think that Dawn's the one that shoots her to kill her. Oh yeah. That's a good idea. I had like physically stomps on her head. Maybe that'd be fine. Yeah. It's, it's something along those lines where, you know, we get a payoff to both those characters. Peter is a non-entity. Yeah. And um, so to me, he's logically, he'll die in an act of heroism, obviously. Um, but Peter's the one to go. Uh, Judith dies at the hand of the double teaming effect of Kira and Dawn um and yeah yeah i i i think you're pretty dead on um yeah it's as owen or ren judah's son and if so how are they going to get around the incest i don't think they do i think this is the kind of show that's like oh that's one of the reasons that judith is so you know kookaburra is that <laughs> she was she like she had this incestuous relationship with her son, right? You know, because I I think that's where it's all headed. I I, I don't could, know how you pull back up, from that. We could end up with a like a like a lot of flashback of Owen slash Ren as a character, which I don't think we need. Oh, that'd be real dumb. Yeah, I think we will. I think because yeah. we, we got that with the uh, Cam in season one. We've got all his like condensed flashbacks of him being like a kid that pushed his mum down the stairs, and then you know, like, like all that shit that we're like, I don't need to see this, right? He's a killer, fine. Let's the, move on. There is a solid thirty percent chance of a montage of Judith being the one killing everyone. Yeah, and I don't need it. I well, don't. at this stage, no, they met, that ship sailed. That should have happened in episode six. Yeah. Uh oh. All right. So we've got one more left, Duncan almost there man so yeah so in two weeks we'll be here with the finale between now and then though duncan yes where can people find you i know you haven't really been doing a whole lot of recording recently <laughs> so a uh, hundred and twenty movie reviews over 10 episodes and 60 plus hours worth of recording officially starts to make its way out as of monday so this episode will come out um what well, essentially almost a week after the first summer series episode drops. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be the, the next eight weeks. There'll be 10 episodes that drop um, for, for the peeps out there. So keep your eyes peeled. Um, there will be a minimum of one week, most likely two weeks where there'll be two episodes that drop out in those, those time periods. But yeah, the whole summer series is recorded. It's down. It's looking tasty. Um, 
and yeah, it's, I'll be making this way to you. So that's the big thing. You can get that at tputzcast.com for the links to everything that you would check. Or just check in your podcatching device, podcast under the stairs, and I'm there. Yeah, there he is. Uh, and thanks, everybody, for watching and listening to this particular show. Uh, you can, of course, find everything uh, I do at legionpodcasts.com. Uh, just a quick pitch for our, our Patreon uh, where the Ouija experiment experiment just dropped a new episode on a film entitled Ouija mummy. And, uh, I, I highly encourage, uh, you guys to check that out. If you're a member of the, uh, Patreon, if you're not, you can't, you can sign up. It's only a couple of bucks, uh, patreon.com forward slash Legion podcasts, and you get exclusive shows. And, uh, like I said, the, the video program, the Ouija experiment experiment, um, which looks at movies with the word Ouija in the title. Uh, spoilers, they're almost always terrible. Um, but it, it, was, it was a really interesting conversation about kind of low-budget filmmaking and, and the pitfalls of that. Uh, so I highly recommend that. Um, also, uh, you can uh, be sure you, you hop over to, if you're listening to the audio version of this, you can watch us live over at uh, youtube.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. Uh, where you can subscribe there, and uh, yeah, you can watch uh, this as well as uh, video versions of the podcast and some other fun stuff uh, that we'll be doing. And uh, and that's it for two weeks uh, until we come back for the finale. The only thing left to do on this episode is to say to my good friend Duncan, say goodnight, Duncan. My good friend Duncan, goodnight, Duncan. Ah!